Hello everyone and welcome back to season 4 of Passing Through the Podcast. I'm your host, Neka Julia. Thank you all so much for the love on episode 1 of season 4. You are simply the best. One thing you can do to support the continued creation of this podcast is to rate and review it on whatever streaming platform you are currently listening on. Thank you in advance. Without further ado, in this episode, I tell a story about the danger of expectations and how romance is much more fruitful when rooted in reality. I hope you all enjoy episode two of season four, Passing Through Expectations. The first time I was ever left speechless while watching someone's feet leave the ground was the 2000 NBA dunk contest. Vince Carter, half-man, half-amazing, stepped forward, a lanky, glistening 6'6", palming a striped rubber melon with five fingers, bouncing and spinning it backwards. The camera cut to his expression, locked in, direct eye contact with the iron. He ascended, feet off the floor, spinning gracefully, arm windmilling at full velocity. He dunked the ball, the crowd cheered in ecstasy. The second time I was left speechless by someone's feet leaving the ground, I was juggling a stack of $1 pepperoni pizza while giving my number to TJ, a potential love interest. He stepped forward, a stringy, sweating 5'11", fumbling with a bulky black phone. He looked nervous, only making eye contact with the keypad. I was mouthing the last two digits when he and his flip phone left the sidewalk, feet off the floor, spinning awkwardly. He was being carried across the street like a half-filled sack of potatoes. The crowd gasped in horror. The moment's only saving grace was that Shaq wasn't there with a camcorder. See, all I initially wanted was a night out, with summer fading and me finally single. But on the ride downtown, my friend Sade reminded me that, unfortunately, shit was never that simple. I cracked the car window, filling my lungs with the first day of summer. Fresh grass shavings and fireflies mixed with Sade's signature scent, vanilla bean bath and body works, and black cherry air freshener. I never understood why she hoarded packs of those cheap tree-shaped things in her glove compartment. You better pray what's-his-name isn't out tonight because I refuse to play referee. This dress was $50. Sade groaned. What's-his-name was my ex-boyfriend Chris, and for the three years we were together, in air quotes, he was the owner, I was the tenant, and our relationship was the ramshackle rental we'd returned to. A house erected on tumultuous teenage sand. Sade and I parked in the garage across from a strip of college bars, reapplying lip gloss and strutting heels thundering towards our first stop. A cloud of $5 perfume hovered over the entrance to a crowded, dimly lit dive bar where we had a 99% chance of seeing someone we knew. This meant you could either openly flirt with a new boo while your salty ex stared from the corner, or you were the salty ex staring from the corner. It depended on the night. A short bouncer with shaved sides stamped our hands, waving us through. Let's grab a seat at the front, Sade yelled. You go ahead, I'll grab us some drinks, I yelled back. A Michael Phelps threw a sea of bodies towards the dirty island, finding a tiny gap between two unlikely friends, what looked like Benjamin Button and the rock Dwayne Johnson, and made my move. Ignoring a side-eye from bumping Mr. Button, I proudly laid claim to newly conquered territory, plopping both elbows onto the wooden bar. I flagged down the friendliest face, a bartender with two frizzy bright blue pigtails, to place my order. Two tequila sunrises, please, I shouted, sliding her a 20. My eyes moved across the room, eventually landing on Anthony, a six-foot-five, kind-eyed former football player whose broad frame and waist-like locks made him look like Black Zeus. Anthony was a local celebrity of sorts, someone who was always in the right place at the right time to hand you a drink, and not to mention a pretty strong acquaintance of my ex, Chris. Yo! He shouted, waving from the other side of the bar. What? What up, Ant? I yelled back. He parted the same sea of bodies with one gigantic stroke and went in for a hug. Ooh, girl, it's been a long time, he whispered. Absolutely, I said. How have you been? I'm good, I'm good, he replied, moving a rogue lock behind one ear. Just started the semester? I don't know if you know, I got into grad school a few months ago, he continued. 
Before I could give a proper congratulations, a gangly, nerdy-looking white dude with a jarring John B. haircut, which oddly made him look a bit more like Cajun seasoning white in the right lighting, tapped him on the shoulder. The whispers and hand gestures seemed urgent. Anthony nodded, wrapping his paw around the gangly guy's shoulder and made the introduction. TJ, this is my girl Neka. Neka, this is my boy TJ. Smiling, TJ extended his hand. Nice to meet you, he said, firmly gripping my fingers with the warmth of a Fortune 500 luncheon. Shaking this dude's hand was like gripping a piece of plywood. Nice to meet you too, TJ, I replied. By the time we let go, Anthony was gone, eager to make his rounds like any good politician. So, do you work around here? I asked. An easy alley-oop of an icebreaker. Listen, I would have asked just about anything to help bridge the silence left by a missing mutual acquaintance. Uh, yeah, I'm getting my doctorate at the university, but I'm originally from the East Coast. Ah, very cool. Where on the East Coast? I probed, taking a swig of my sunrise. No one ever knows what town I'm talking about, so let's just say Philly. What about you? Here for work? School? He asked. I'm finishing up my last year in undergrad and working for the family business right now, so work. But I went to middle school and high school in the area, which technically makes me a local, I said, lightly wincing. He laughed. <laughs> Come on, the locals here aren't so bad. I arched one eyebrow in disagreement. Says the transplant. How did you meet Anthony since everyone in town has a How I Met Anthony story? Oh, Anthony, we live together, he replied, taking a calculated sip of his old fashioned. We've actually lived together for almost two years. Wait, what? A whole two years? How we not run into each other, I asked. He paused, his eyes meeting mine. I'm surprised we haven't met either. Aunt knows everyone, but I'm kind of the opposite. I study a lot, but thankfully tonight is one of the nights I got dragged out. If I would have stayed home, I wouldn't have met you. Well, shit, I thought. Is Fortune 500 flirting with me? He seems smart. He's pursuing a PhD, for goodness sakes. He's older, not from here. Boxes were being checked faster than my mind could keep up with. He was the complete opposite of what I was used to, and he was getting cuter with every swig of this tequila sunrise. I mean, we're talking about a man who actually reads books. Not just the back of a video game or the stats from the Sunday football section. With Chris, if a word had more than three syllables, his tongue and teeth would immediately start playing Twister. Sure, still more of an indictment on me for dating him, but I digress. TJ seemed like a potential solution. The practical, astute answer to my formerly turbulent dating life. As TJ's mouth moved, going on and on about his program, I envisioned what life would be like as the supportive girlfriend. TJ's phone buzzed and he excused himself. My eyes turned towards the main floor, spotting a surly Sade being bored to death by a conversation with none other than Mr. Benjamin Button from the bar. She shot me a come-save-me look, and I signaled back that I'd be there in a second. TJ pocketed his phone, apologizing profusely. Hey, sorry, I had to take that. <laughs> it was my mom. He sighed. Eyes lowered. The guys are about to head to another spot, he continued. I'm sure we'll run into each other out there. Likely. It's wild out there, though, past 1am, so <laughs> head on a swivel, I said, laughing at my own joke with the entire front of my neck. It, it was really great chatting with you, he replied, turning slowly towards the door. I raced down a flight of crooked steps to the main floor, Shade evil-eyeing me from her stool. Shade, I met someone, I blurted out, trying to cut her annoyance with something spicy. Mm, that's why you were taking so long. Net, please, tell me that someone is cute. Actually, fuck that, tell me this someone has cute friends. I pursed my lips. Well, I mean, he's not like conventionally cute. He's good looking in his own way, with the right lighting, tilt your head, squint a little bit, and you basically have John B. Shade blinked without responding. Listen, he's smart, okay. He's not Chris, he's getting his PhD, and he's not Chris. Shade blinked again without responding. Anthony introduced us to the bar when I was grabbing drinks. I continued. Wait, wait, big Anthony? She asked. Yeah, I replied. <laughs> you know Anthony and Chris are still cool, right? She interjected. I mean, they're not that cool anymore, I don't think. I grumbled, trying my damnedest to believe my own lie. 
The bars downtown close at exactly 2 a.m., but the music stops around 1.45. Everyone makes their way to one of five greasy spoons. My preference is a hole-in-the-wall $1 pizza joint that gives you 54 paper plates instead of napkins to soak up the excess oil. In transit, you typically spot everyone you've ever known through high school and college and route to their favorite spot to sober up. At this point in the night, avoiding eye contact is an extreme sport. If you're by yourself, stay low, zigzag, and pretend you're on your phone because if you lock gazes with the wrong person, you'll be stuck wasting sweet, greasy spoon after hours catching up on a bunch of shit you don't care about. I'll take three slices of pepperoni, I said, mirroring the number three with my fingers just in case Tico couldn't hear me. Tico was a short, stout, baby-faced Cuban man working the one and only oven at my favorite spot. 90s football posters lined the walls, and a small metal counter was the only thing separating the customer from their saving grace. Three slices for my favorite, Tico sung, sliding me my stack. When I turned to leave, eyes fixed on my three secured slices, I ran face first into Chris. Hey, what's up? He said, looking me up and down, taking a sizable bite of his own slice. Nothing, I stuttered. Just grabbing some food like everybody else. Shadi's outside waiting, so I'm gonna head out. Where'd you go tonight? He asked ignoring my sorry attempt at an exit. Now Chris was known for being extremely possessive, especially when we weren't together. He could do whatever he wanted with whomever he wanted while we were on breaks, but if someone so much as looked at me for too long, a confrontation was bound to occur, this reputation ruining any chance I had at trying to date locally. So I stayed low, zigzagged, and pretended to answer the phone. Well, it was nice seeing you, I yelled. This is Sparta kicking the door open and power walking towards Sade. She knew the second she saw my face. We broke into a light jog, smushed stack of pizza in hand, making it halfway to the structure before bumping headfirst into TJ. Hey, he shouted, excited to reunite, keeping his Fortune 500 hand in one pocket and reaching around with the other for a hug. Hey, I exclaimed, trying to smile the panic out of my voice. Are y'all headed to an after-hour spot? Any house parties? TJ inquired. It's been a long night, Sade said. We're just gonna head back to my place. Beauty sleep calls. Oh, okay, he replied, disappointed. Well, Ant's having a couple people over back at our place, so if you change your mind. Oh, well, Nick, I didn't get your number at the bar. He went on, gesturing towards me, pulling out his bulky black phone and flipping it open. What's the best number to reach you? He looked nervous, only making eye contact with the keyboard. I was almost through mouthing the last digit when he and his flip phone left the sidewalk, feet off the floor, spinning awkwardly. He was being physically carried across the street by Chris like a half-filled sack of potatoes. The crowd gasped in horror. It felt like someone had smeared icy hot across my face. I was boiling from head to toe, staring at the spot where TJ disappeared in disbelief. Shade tapped me, speechless, and signaled across the street. Chris had TJ in a loose headlock, probably whispering something along the lines of, You know this, my girl, right? Or, Oh, no one told you she's off limits, bro? TJ nodded, grimacing, a crooked smile etching across his face. I stood so still I think Shade checked for a pulse. Let's go, she urged, pulling my arm and shaking me out of my stupor. I slammed the car door trying to catch my breath. My mind raced through the typical, dramatic 20-year-old series of thoughts. Oh, it's official. No one will ever want to date me. I am tethered to a crazy person. I'm going to have to move to Alaska. Girl, you act like he can't track you down to Alaska. There's flights out there. Are we going to have to live off the grid, just me and my flock of 600 sheep? I fumbled around the pit of my purse, hitting lip gloss, sticks of cinnamon gum, and a thick set of keys. My phone, have you seen my phone? I asked, panicked. I have it, Shade groaned, starting the engine. I just, I, I just need to send a quick message, I pleaded, holding out my hand. As long as it's not to Chris, she replied. It's not, I yelled, grabbing the phone, pulling up Anthony's number to ask for TJ's. Anthony responded within 30 seconds, thumbs twitching, I typed TJ's number and started crafting an apology. TJ, it was amazing meeting you tonight. I'm so sorry for the fiasco at the end, lol. 
No, delete that, lol. Ain't nobody laughing but you, bro. I hope you can still get, we can still get to know each other. Maybe grab a bite to eat next week, question mark? Let me know. Sade pressed the gas, peeling swiftly out of the parking garage. I was slumped over in the passenger seat, my prized pizza growing cold. My phone buzzed, temporarily jolting me out of a fit of self-pity. Hey, no worries, ha. I've known Chris for a while now, all good. Didn't know you two had dated, though. It was great meeting you tonight, too. Next week is an ideal for me, a lot of work to finish, maybe the following, dot dot dot. I'll hit you up, TJ. Yes, 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 yes. Not all was lost, baby. I went to bed that night, cooking up some dangerously delicious fantasies about what fruit a relationship with TJ could bear, projecting all of my deepest desires to be chosen and my greatest insecurities around rejections onto a complete stranger, setting a whole host of expectations that were impossible to meet, especially when they required the consent and participation of the other party. The following morning, I was in the shower, scrubbing suds off my shoulder when two voices in my head started arguing. Should I text him? No, it's only been two days. Girl, chill out. It'll make us look desperate. He said he was busy trying to finish stuff until next week. But I wouldn't be asking him to hang out. I would just be checking in to see how his week was going. Bitch, you just saw him two days ago. Okay, and? Two days is a large enough gap to ask. No internal rebuttal. Uh, guess I'll text him. 9 a.m. Hey, TJ, how's your week going so far? Question mark. Just checking to see if you've taken a break for food or water between all that studying. LOL. Send. I placed my phone face down to try to avoid checking it every 30 seconds. I'll just carry on with my day, I thought. He'll probably respond when he has time. No pressure. He told me he was busy. I'm not expecting much anyway. It's not like he's my boyfriend. We just met. 12 p.m. It's been three hours. He'll take a break, eat, check his phone, maybe get back to a few messages, hopefully mine being one of them. 1 p.m. I guess late lunch is a thing, right? Especially for people getting their PhDs. I mean, come on. He can read. 2 p.m. I guess he doesn't even eat lunch. Seems like more of a breakfast dinner kind of guy. And lunch is wild and efficient now that I'm thinking about it. Wow. 2.30 p.m. Maybe he left his phone at home? 3 p.m. He's ghosting me. 3.15 p.m. If I delete his number, I won't even know it's him. Take your power back, girl. Delete that shit. 4 p.m. You can't even file a missing person report for 24 hours. Give a digital message sent to a tower in the sky a chance to get to his phone, bro, relax. 5 p.m. He's definitely ghosting me. 5.01 p.m. Shit, I would ghost me too. 5.15 p.m. Maybe I should follow up. Not in the crazy, like, multiple question marky type way. In a cute, quirky, funny, did you see my last message type way. 8 p.m. I should get my PhD on how it's still possible to text people back when you're studying. Dissertation will be 6,790 pages of evidence-based motherfucking research. 9 p.m. Let me just delete his number. Great. 11.07 p.m. Hey, exclamation point. Sorry, I typically leave my phone on silent on lab days and ha, almost didn't break for food and water today. Thanks for checking. How's your day been? Question mark. 11.10 p.m. Hey, hey, exclamation point. I'm glad you're alive. My day's been great. Just wrapping up some stuff for class and work right now. Any plans tomorrow? Question mark. 12 a.m. Good to hear. Same shit, different day tomorrow. Hope yours goes great. Smiley face. 12.02. Yours too. Remember, hydrate, lol. 12.45 a.m. Will do. 12.46 a.m. See, he does like you. I didn't see TJ for three weeks. Apart from a weird, unplanned run-in at the same bar, which consisted of a 10-second hi-bye and I'll hit you up later. We exchanged a few dead-end text messages, 99% of which were initiated by me, and I vented to anyone who would listen. My sister, friend, shit, even my coworker's cousin. 
Their advice ranging from girl, he's just busy to you could do better to why don't you take some more time between relationships to call him and be more assertive. All words I'd chew and discard, nodding my head before anxiously checking my messages to see if I'd missed anything from TJ. How could I be so off about an interaction, I thought. Apart from him being carried across the street like a soggy loaf of bread, the flirting, the back and forth, the willingness to still engage with me felt contradictory. Just text him already, Sade screamed. Text what's his name and ask if we can come over, a wingman. Listen, he barely responds to my messages during the week. You really think me asking to come over at 10pm on a Thursday when we haven't seen each other in a month is going to warrant a resounding yes, I asked. Just give me your phone, she demanded. I slid it slowly back into my pocket. Give me your phone she repeated, dashing for the device. She tackled me faster than I could react, ran to the bathroom, and locked the door. Shade, please don't. Seriously, please. I could hear her nails hitting the screen at hyper speed. She flung open the door, pleased with herself. See, the thing about me, ne, is I have game. You don't. I texted Anthony, not JT or whatever his name is. Watch, Anthony will invite us over, and what's-his-name will likely be there because it's his whole-ass roommate. Sadly, she was right. Ten minutes passed and plans were confirmed. They were hosting a small kickback and we were more than welcome to join. Fucking hell, I thought. Should I at least text him? Give him a heads up that I'm coming over? Eh, not necessarily. We were acquaintances with Anthony before knowing he existed. If Anthony invited us, maybe we should just go over there and kick it with him. It only looks desperate if you make it look desperate, right? Sade stormed into her bedroom, returning with an armful of spandex, latex, and low-cut things for me to select from. Now change, she hissed. Into what? I asked. These jeans are comfortable, I'll just throw on a cuter top. Okay, keep the jeans, but unless you want to look like you teach night school at the local community college, we've got to compromise on the top. I threw off the striped cotton button-up and squeezed whatever flesh I could into a skin-tight black bodysuit, shyly meeting my reflection in Sade's full-length mirror. Hmm, much better, she shrieked, adjusting the neckline. Sade parked, flicking down the driver's side mirror and reapplying a coat of crimson red lip gloss. Let's go she said, popping the cat back on. I could always fake like I'm getting out of the car, lock her out, climb into the driver's seat, and speed the hell out of this situation, I thought. Nah, she probed. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready, let's go. I rang the doorbell twice, retracting my hand and pushing weight onto my toes as if playing ding-dong ditch. But I turned towards me, gesturing for me to push up the girls. I obliged, grumbling a soliloquy of cuss words under my breath. The door swung open. My stomach sank. Naka? I couldn't tell if he was happy, annoyed, confused, or all three. TJ! Hey! Shada glanced at TJ, then back to me, then back to TJ. She half-waved, growing impatient with the exchange, grabbing my hand and guiding us in. Hey JT, so nice to meet you. I'm Neka's friend, Shade. Excuse me, she said, swimming past the both of us. Anthony, you got a drink for me, Port, or what? Anthony swallowed both of us into a hug. Ladies, Mikasa, Sukasa, pour anything you want, eat anything you want. There's only a few of us here tonight, so make yourself comfortable. Punch in the kitchen. Thanks, Aunt. We're going to get some of that punch you're talking about. I joked, beelining to the kitchen, dragging Shade by her skirt. I told you this wasn't a good idea. You notice he barely said hello when he opened the door. I'm out here looking Hannibal Lecter crazy. He definitely thinks I eat skin. One, you are crazy. Two, relax, Shade said, filling two solo cups with Anthony's punch. I took a sip, cringed, tilted my head. Now let's enjoy ourselves, Shade barked. We made our way towards the living room, taking a seat on the brown suede wraparound couch. Most of the guests sat to our right, including TJ, who was in the corner gritting through conversation with a chatty patty. I crossed my legs. We made eye contact. I raised my cup and smiled. 
His eyes widened when Chatty Patty looked away, and to my utter surprise, he mouthed the word, help. I tapped my cup and gestured towards the kitchen. I got up discreetly, tiptoeing into the kitchen. TJ quickly emerged, the harsh shadows from the hallway light sharpening his jawline and darkening his features, making him look even more handsome than I remembered. I was also solidly buzzed by then, but I digress. I fumbled around for the punch spoon to top off my glass. Hey, he whispered, smiling. Hey, I replied. Thanks for that back there, he chuckled. No worries, I shrugged. Chalk it up to my one good deed for the day. We both laughed. You know, I would have invited you and your friend over tonight if I knew you guys were out, he said, one hand rubbing the back of his neck. No worries, we were just having a girls' night anyway. Anthony said he was having a couple people over. I wasn't sure whether you'd be home or not. Hope you don't find it too creepy. Well, I'm glad you guys came. And if I found you creepy, I'd definitely be pretending to be asleep right now in my room. We both took a sip of punch, leaning in, almost butting foreheads. At this point in my life, I'd watched way too many romantic comedies where one person isn't initially crazy about the other, but eventually realizes through the consistent, thoughtful, enchanting actions of the initially unwanted that the person is really the love of their life. The revelation usually crystallizing in a single, passionate, slow-motion smooch. Alicia Keys' I'm Ready started playing on the living room stereo. Shit, I thought. This was it. The moment for the slow-motion kiss. His hand timidly reached for mine, raising my palm with his pointer finger. He drew closer and closer, our faces blurred in the haze of orange light. Our noses touched, then our lips. And within five seconds, I was wondering if I was making out with a human or a wall. A human would have at least grabbed my waist by now. I drew backwards to gauge his reaction. Shit, cause I know what I felt. Absolutely nothing. But what did he feel? He leaned in for another kiss before hesitantly asking, do you want to go upstairs? I stuck my neck out of the kitchen to see if Sade was occupied. She was. Yeah, let's go. We floated up a single flight of stairs, past the bathroom on the right, and straight ahead to TJ's room. He twisted a golden knob and guided me in. A tiny porcelain lamp flickered on, gilding a hilltop of papers, textbooks, and notebooks. I picked up a silver frame, dusted it off. Him and what appeared to be his grandparents? Those are my parents, he said, gesturing towards the frame. Oh wow, they look lovely. No other siblings? I asked. No, just me. They had me pretty late. I was a miracle baby. That's a picture of us on the lake from a few years back. Beautiful, I said. I squinted, trying to make out the titles scattered across his desk. Uranium this, chemical kinetics that. I grabbed one of the books and flipped to the 57th page. The million dollar question is, do you read this stuff for fun? I asked. He shrugged. I've wanted to be a chemical engineer since I was like five. All the boring stuff like math, science, they've always been fun to me. TJ leaned in for another kiss, tightly squeezing both of my biceps like a great aunt. I closed my eyes, desperately trying to convince myself that it would make a spark of lust ignite. Nah. Nope, I can't do this. It's like being seduced by Mr. Rogers. I stepped back, sat on the edge of the bed, and adjusted my bodysuit. Everything okay? TJ asked, concerned. Now, if I was being completely honest, I would have said, hell no. Everything is not okay. I came here thinking I was being teed up for a chance at new love. I mean, I was really sweating your text messages, TJ, like for real. And God damn it, you kiss like a serial killer, or at least what I'd imagine a serial killer to kiss like. Maybe that's why they don't kiss, they just kill. Uh, yeah, I lied. Yeah, everything is okay. Wouldn't mind just talking for a bit. He eased himself onto the opposite edge. So you didn't leave behind any special ladies back east? I asked. He laughed, turning his body towards me. If I can be completely transparent, my ex was supposed to actually move out here, too. She was a chemical engineer, same exact focus. Oh, really? What happened? I asked. 
Honestly, I don't really know. I mean, I guess we were both very career focused. We barely saw each other because we were always studying. She got an opportunity at UPenn and I got accepted at school here. We both didn't want to do long distance, so breaking up was the most logical thing to do. Is the most logical decision always the best decision? I probed. Come again? He asked. Is the most logical decision always the best decision? I repeated, this time slower. Well, I guess not. Not necessarily, he replied. I think one of the most beautiful and frustrating things about love, I continued, or at least our idea of it, is that it isn't always logical. There is no one-size-fits-all universal equation. I think if you find a good thing, like a really good thing with someone, it's worth seeing it through. He leaned backwards, forced to swallow a spoonful of opinion he never intended on taking. And what struck me oddly at that moment, looking into his dark, narrowed eyes, wasn't the fact that TJ didn't look anything like John B. in that lamplight. It was that I didn't know him, or even like him. I liked the idea of him. My desire to be in a new relationship, to validate my own worthiness of being liked and loved and maybe, hopefully eventually, donning the title girlfriend, trumped the who that was doing the liking and loving. TJ was a whole human being who lived a life filled with joys and sorrows and lessons learned long before me. Someone who, because of my insatiable desire to be in an untainted romantic relationship, served as only a pawn. My dream of what a relationship with TJ might be like was merely a sweet distraction, a mold I could shrink myself into. He could have easily been replaced by any new face because fantasies derived from desperation are always fatally self-serving, never taking into account the other person's humanity or if we really like them or even if a crumb of compatibility exists. The fantasy is more concerned with aesthetic than substance and whether someone checks the boxes and fits the ideal role we've outlined and the rules we've set. But what we desire people to be and do will only prolong our own suffering and ultimately rob us of actually seeing them or of forming a clear understanding of who they truly are. And I could see, as TJ swallowed a spoonful of opinion he never intended on taking, that I didn't check his boxes or fit his fantasy. I, too, in this very moment, was merely a distraction of a completely different kind. I glanced at the whiteboard in the corner, nailed crookedly above a tiny wooden desk. Recalibrate was written in chicken scratch and underlined twice above a set of equations. Maybe it's time to recalibrate your thesis around love, I joked. I know I am. Hmm. Maybe you're right, he nodded, scooting closer. I placed my hand over his. He stared at me, softer, more open than before. I kissed him lightly on the cheek. Everyone's drying, I said, patting his fingers and pushing myself onto my feet. I better go check on Sade. I'm sure she's finished all of your punch and has already won Anthony's rent money by beating him in Mario Kart or some shit. You can't stay and chat for like ten more minutes? He asked, earnestly. I would if I could, but I gotta prep for the week, I said, twisting the doorknob. Okay, I'll, I'll walk you guys out, he said, following closely behind me. I could hear Sade screaming pay up before I got down the stairs. She was beating her chest like a WWE wrestler in a room full of former football players. I told you, I said, nudging TJ. Sade, let's go. I have an early morning tomorrow, I shouted. That's fine. There's no more money for me to win anyway, she shouted back over a room full of groans. 3 a.m. fog rolled in, forming a dense halo of smoke around the car. TJ guided us out, hands in his pockets, jittery from the drop in temperature. Sade grabbed my keys, flung her body in the driver's seat, and cranked up the heat. I closed my door and rolled down the window. See you soon? TJ asked. I nodded, half-smiling, knowing that this would likely be the last time we'd ever see each other. The ending of whatever our interaction had been, barely a parenthesis in each other's stories. But an ending nonetheless. 
I left that night with a visceral understanding that not every dude who was semi-handsome and could formulate a sentence and who wasn't my ex-boyfriend would be my future partner, and that what goes backwards must also go forwards, the other inseparable side of any coin. Inevitably, for the next person, it will come naturally to ask if they like you, but that very question must be has to be countered with the truthful smoke-cleared glasses off answer to the even more important question. Do you really like them, or would you just like to like them? Shade pulled into my driveway, shifted to park. I moved to get out, and she quickly grabbed my arm. Nay, when's the last time you went to the eye doctor? She asked. I don't know, it's been a few years. Why? She started laughing so hard she could barely finish the sentence. Because the minute what's-his-name answered the door, I thought, oh, my friend must be blind. Because he looks absolutely nothing like John B. Thank you all so much for listening to episode two of season four, the 23rd episode of Passing Through Overall. Insane. Can't believe it. I appreciate you all so much. Rate, review, comment, like, share, at me on IG, at Passing Through Pod, or at N-N-E-K-A, Jay, and I'd love to know what you think. I love talking with you guys via DMs. The last episode had me in real tears uh, with people saying F her banana pudding. So if you've dealt with some of the things that I talk about in the episode, I'm always down to chat about it. Maybe we'll do a live or something like that. Keep sharing with friends, families, cousins, coworkers. Appreciate you all. Happy holidays for all those who celebrate. We will see you for another holiday next week, episode three. The passing of the podcast season four. Have an incredible Sunday. <laughs>